Jesus loves me, this I know. You know, such a simple song. And we, uh, if you grew up in church at all, of course, uh, one of the first songs you remember learning was Jesus loves me. And uh, what, a, what an appropriate song to learn as your first one, if that was the case. And uh, what a great, great truth. And uh, am I loud enough? Can you hear me in the back? <clears throat> Something doesn't sound this, exactly the same to me. Lucas, can you hear me back there? All right, good, good. Uh, <clears throat> all right. And uh, maybe just I'm deaf this morning. <laughs> that may be what it is. But if you have a Bible, turn to Deuteronomy chapter 1. Deuteronomy chapter number 1. And uh, again, I thank you so much for being in your place in church this morning. That was a wonderful, uh, good, solid decision to start the week with. Uh, by the way, the, uh, the uh, viewing for Brother Dave Gandy will be on Tuesday uh, from 2 until 8 p.m. at uh, Elton Black Funeral Home. And that's the one on uh, Union Lake Road and White Lake, so don't, uh, I don't get that confused there. But uh, Tuesday from 2 p.m. to 8 p.m. at the Elton Black Funeral Home, uh, and then the service will be on Wednesday at 11 o'clock Wednesday morning. And uh, so be much in prayer for the Gandy family during these days. Very difficult. Uh, as we see things, a tragic situation, very sudden, and uh, we do want to be much in prayer uh, for them <coughs> during a very difficult time. Deuteronomy chapter 1, let's stand together please for the reading of the Word of God. Deuteronomy chapter number 1, and we'll begin reading in verse number 3. Deuteronomy chapter 1 and verse number 3. And it came to pass in the 40th year, in the 11th month, on the first day of the month, that Moses spake unto the children of Israel, according to all that the Lord had given him in commandment unto them. After he had slain Sihon, the king of the Amorites, which dwelt in Heshbon, and Og, king of Bashan, which dwelt at Ashtaroth in Edrai, on this side Jordan, in the land of Moab, began Moses to declare this law, saying, The Lord our God spake unto us in Horeb, saying, Ye have dwelt long enough in this mount. Turn you and take your journey, and go to the mount of the Amorites, and unto all the place nigh uh, thereunto, in the plain, in the hills, and in the vale, and in the south, and by the seaside, to the land of the Canaanites, and unto, the Le and unto Lebanon, unto the great river, the river Euphrates. Behold, I have set the land before you. Go in and possess the land, which the Lord sware unto your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give unto them, and to their seed after them. And uh, I want to talk to you from that text, from that little verse, in uh, verse... Uh, uh, oh, let's see, go up to verse number 6. The Lord, God, the Lord our God spake unto us in Horeb, saying, Ye have dwelt long enough in this mount. Ye have dwelt long enough in this mount. I want to speak to you this morning on this subject. It's time to move on. It's time to move on. And let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for the truth of your word. I pray that you'd help us now in these few moments that we'll spend together on a snowy Sunday morning here, here in church that you would... Uh, speak to our hearts. Father, I pray that your spirit would minister grace to everyone in this room uh, this morning. The grace, uh, in some cases, the grace to receive Christ as Savior. In some cases, uh, for those of us who are saved, the grace uh, to move forward in our, in our service for you, the grace to move forward in our relationship with you, the grace to move forward in, uh, in what you have for us in the coming weeks and, and months ahead. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. <clears throat> it had been almost 40 years since the people had been delivered from Egypt. For all this time, they had wandered in the wilderness. 
They had come through the Red Sea on dry ground, but it had been almost 40 years ago when that happened at this point. Uh, they were at the foot of Mount Sinai when the Lord was delivered, or I'm sorry, when the law was delivered by Moses. They had witnessed miracles from God on a daily basis. You think about all that the children of Israel saw in the wilderness, and really it's amazing. Uh, we talked a little bit this morning in Sunday school about how the, the disciples surely had witnessed firsthand the miracles of Christ uh, up to that point. And so certainly it, it should not have been any surprise to them that Jesus could have fed 20,000 people with a little boy's lunch. Uh, but think about all that the children of Israel saw in the wilderness. Think about the fact that they came through, even before they got to the wilderness, uh, the ten plagues that God uh, put upon the land of Egypt and all of how God miraculously uh, saw, you know, he hardened Pharaoh's heart and then, and then brought Pharaoh to a point where he just wouldn't listen. And then finally God got his attention one last time with the death of the firstborn and the Passover and, uh, and the, the death angel that passed over the land and so forth. And God's people who had applied the blood to the doors uh, of their homes, they were delivered from that. And then they were uh, ejected, as it were, from Egypt, came to the Red Sea, and uh, boy, the Egyptians were coming in hard behind them, and the Red Sea was in front of them, and they didn't know where to go, and the people thought, man, Moses is going to get us killed right here, and Moses said, God, what am I going to do? And he said, uh, Moses, I want you to take that rod that, that, that belongs to me that I've given you. I want you to stretch it out over the Red Sea, and you know what happened from there? The Red Sea departed, or, or, or parted, and uh, God's people went over on dry ground. The Egyptians came through, and the Red Sea came together, and destroyed them and what a great picture of salvation what a wonderful picture of the fact that God's people they were never going back to Egypt again because that Red Sea when it closed up hey all of that uh, all of that was over with that was the old life at that point and by the way let me uh, let me say to all of us this morning what a wonderful reminder of the fact that when Jesus saved you hey there's no going back there's no going back. Gone, 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 gone. Yes, my sins are gone. Now my soul is clean. In my heart's a song buried in the deepest sea. Yes, that's good enough for me. Praise God. My sins are gone. And the day that you trusted Christ as Savior, hey, you were, you were as sure of heaven as if you were already there. It's called security. It's called security. The Bible says that when I got saved, I was sealed with the, with the, the, the Spirit. And, hey, it's impossible for me to go back to Egypt. It's impossible for me to go back uh, to, to being an unsaved person again. Hey, what, what a wonderful thought. Hey, it's worth you coming to church just to hear that. We didn't get to the sermon yet. Uh, <clears throat> but uh, these folks, they had witnessed the miracles from God on a daily basis. They came across the Red Sea. They got into the wilderness there the, the, uh, on a map. Today it's referred to as the Sinai Peninsula. And, uh, and, and they got there, and, of course, they were thirsty. We're talking about two and a half to three million people who were thirsty. You, just, you don't just have one little water fountain over in the corner and say, hey, y'all go get something to drink over there. We're talking about millions of people. And so what did God do? Well, God said, Moses, I want you to smite the rock there in Horeb. And Moses smote the rock and water gushed out of there. I'm talking about water that would supply the needs of, three, uh, of two and a half to three million people. Man, what a God. What a great provision. Uh, they woke up and, uh, and, of course, as you might would guess, they were hungry. God provided for that. Every morning they woke up to manna that covered the ground. And uh, the, the Bible says, uh, referred to it as uh, like, like angel's food. And uh, not angel food cake, okay. 
Uh, I got some of your attention right there. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, sign me up for that. <laughs> but uh, uh, every morning, six days out of seven, they woke up to manna covering the ground. And on the sixth day, they were to gather enough for the, the, the sixth and the Sabbath day. And, and God provided miraculously for the needs of the people. Uh, uh, water from the rock and horror, manna from heaven each morning, the pillar of cloud that guided them by day and kept them cool from the burning desert heat, uh, the pillar of fire by night to warm them in the cool overnight hours in the desert. They had experienced the chastening hand of the Lord. Many times when they got out of line a little bit, God would have to come and bring uh, a, a little spanking there for them, spiritually speaking, and, and, uh, and get them back in line. And, of course, there were times when they murmured and complained and griped, and, and God brought judgment at times. But think of all the things that God's people saw in the wilderness over the span of 40 years. Because of their disbelief, they had been sentenced to wander in that wilderness for all these years. A journey that should have only lasted a few days or weeks had now expanded to 40 long years. Here in Deuteronomy chapter 1, a new generation of the children of Israel had come onto the scene. The, 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 the word Deuteronomy literally means second law. Second law. And Moses here in Deuteronomy is rehearsing to this new generation of Israelites the Old Testament law that was first given in Exodus chapter 20 and following to God's people a generation before this. Because these folks, many of them, they had been born in the wilderness. The wilderness was all many of these folks had ever known. Uh, again, God's people had been there for 40 years. You know, a lot, a lot of babies get born in a country in 40 years. <laughs> and, and here's this second generation, if you will, of wilderness wanderers who they themselves are getting ready to enter into the promised land. And Moses, in this, in, in this book that we know as Deuteronomy, is rehearsing in the ears of this new generation of Israelites all of the Old Testament laws that God had given to his people originally on Mount Sinai. Uh, in just a few days, Moses will be taken to heaven. Joshua will become the leader, and the people will march the last few miles to the banks of the Jordan River and the Promised Land. Moses takes an important, or makes an important statement in verse number 6, and I want you to see it with me again. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 1 and verse number 6. The Lord our God spake unto us in Horeb, saying, Ye have dwelt long enough in this mount." You dwelt long enough in this mount. Now, the first time God said that, he said it to the folks there at the foot of Mount Sinai some 40 years before this. Hey, it's time to move on. It's time to go on. And, of course, you know the story about how the, uh, the children of Israel sent the uh, spies into the land of Canaan. And they came back, or 10 of them came back with the evil reports that, oh, we can't conquer that. Man, there's, there's giants over there. There's no way we can do that. And it discouraged the hearts of the people. And because of the unbelief of God's people, that's why they were sentenced to 40 years in the wilderness. But now they're come to that, they come to that point again. And Moses said, you know what? It's time to move on. It's time to move on. And I want you to notice several things this morning. If I may paraphrase what Moses said, he said, you dwelt long enough in this mount. If I may paraphrase, he said, it's time to, it's time to go on. It's time to pick up and go on to what God has for you. You know, it's time to resume the journey that we started such a long time ago. It's time to realize the dreams of so many generations who have come before us. All of us here today can learn a valuable lesson from what Moses is saying. Every single one of us. We can continue with our lives the way they are, or we can move forward. We can just say, well, I guess, uh, you know, it's a new year. It's, here we are 10 days into 2016, and, and I guess things will just kind of be the way they always have been. You know what? Hey, that's no, way, that's no way to look at life. Hey, God's got something for you. 
Uh, For the children of Israel, it was the promised land. It was the land of Canaan. It was the land that God had promised to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob. And whenever you draw parallels from Old Testament to New Testament, the promised land many times is, 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 is equivalent to our victorious Christian life. The victorious Christian. Hey, by the way, that's where God wants you to live. He wants you to live not as a victim. He wants you to live as a victor. He doesn't want you to live down in the dumps. He wants wants you to be on top side. He doesn't want you to live under the circumstances. He wants you to live on top of the circumstances. Several years ago, many years ago now, uh, a a preacher was discouraged. And uh, Dr. John R. Rice came to preach a meeting at his uh, his church. And and, uh, he met with this this young preacher before the service began. And Dr. Rice says, how are things going? And, uh, and he said, well, Dr. Rice, he said, I guess things are okay under the circumstances. And Dr. Rice, in his own unique way, said, well, what are you doing under there? <laughs> what are you doing under the circumstances? Hey, you know what? <clears throat> Regardless of what your vocation is, God wants you to live on top of the circumstances, not beneath them. What, uh, the tr- truth of the matter is, he wants us to go forward. We can continue with our lives the way they are, or we can move forward. We can be content to do everything the way it's always been done, or we can take the challenge to forge ahead and seize the moment that God has given us. So sometimes we get in a rut. Sometimes we say, well, you know, uh, this is just the way it's always been. I guess this is the way it's always going to be. No, no, no. Hey, uh, look at your life afresh and anew this morning and say, hey, you know what? It may be just time for me to just take the next step forward. Whatever that step may be, whatever, wherever that may take me, I want to go forward, not backward. I don't want to be the same in December as I am right now. I want to, I want to, uh, to be closer to the Lord. I want you, Sarah, I want you to see several things, and I want to share several things with you from this passage this morning. First of all, it's time to move on from our defeats. It's time to move on from our defeats. You know, as Moses was talking to the children of Israel here, he's talking to this new generation of Israelites, these, uh, these folks who were either were not born when their parents came up out of Egypt or they were under the age of 20 when their parents came up out of, out of Egypt. Because God said to Moses, hey, everybody who was 20 years of old, or, 20 years of, or over 20 years of age, when, uh, when uh, we brought you out of Egypt, he said, they're going to die in the wilderness. They're not going into the promised land. And Moses is preparing this new generation, and he said, you know what? It's time to move on from your defeats. Now, they had seen firsthand in the wilderness a lot of difficult times. They saw some times when their parents murmured and complained. They saw some times when God actually uh, uh, killed some people because of their sin right there in the wilderness. Those were defeats. Those were tough times. Those were difficult times. But Moses said, hey, you know what? It's a new day. It's time to move on. It's time to move on. One of Satan's favorite weapons is to remind you of past defeats. One of Satan's favorite weapons against a child of God is to beat you up over things that happened last week, last month, last year, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. Hey, let me tell you something. God God doesn't want you to live in the past. Should you learn from it? Absolutely. Should you take notes from it? Absolutely. Should you, be, uh, should you be a wiser Christian because of it? Absolutely. But listen to me. God does not want you to live there. He doesn't want you to live there. He wants you to move forward. And you can't move forward when you're bogged down with what happened yesterday. 
He no more, uh, Satan no more wants you to move on from your past than he wanted God's people to exit the wilderness and enter Canaan. I'm simply saying, let's move on from our defeats. Let's move on from our defeats. If 2015 was a banner year for, for you, wonderful. By, uh, by the way, 2015's past. It's gone. Hey, whether it was a good year or not, you know, some people, they're so busy living in the past glory that they miss the present. They're so busy living in past success that they miss the future because they're, they're always talking about what happened yesterday. Their church is all over this country. Man, they're, they're tickled pink about how God moved in a great way in their church in the 1970s. <laughs> Newsflash, the 1970s was a long time ago now. <laughs> I was sucking my thumb in the 70s. <laughs> Some of you weren't there yet. <laughs> but the honest, simple truth is, hey, that's long gone. Hey, I don't want to look back and say, hey, man, God sure was good back then. Wonderful. Yes, God was good back then. But you know what? He was good in the 80s, and he was good in the 90s, and he was good in the, 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 the first decade of this, uh, this new century, this new millennium. He was good in 2015, and he'll be good in 2016. And I don't want to miss what he's got for me in 2016 because I'm looking back. It's time to move on from our defeats. Not only that, I want you to notice, number two, it's time to move on in our direction. It's time to move on in our direction. For these people to get to Canaan, they had to move in a direction that they had never traveled. That makes sense. <laughs> They'd never been to Canaan. They had been wandering in circles in that Sinai Peninsula for now the better part of 40 years. And so if they were going to get to a place where they had never been, guess what? They had to go in a direction they'd never traveled. That makes perfect sense. They had wandered in circles, and, and now it's time to, 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 to make that turn, to go in the right direction. No doubt they had seen the same old thing over and over and over again. Many years ago, my wife and I had gone to see my, my parents, and, and uh, Highway 264 was the, the road that we always traveled to go see them, and uh, U.S. Highway, and they're in eastern North Carolina, and, and there was a, a storm had come through and, and done a lot of damage, and so we were detoured from that highway, and so we had to take an alternate route. <clears throat> well, fellas, you'll, you'll, uh, uh, you'll, you'll, you'll appreciate this. Men never get lost. Can I get an amen right there, fellas? Yeah, that's a good place to say it right there. <clears throat> but, uh, and uh, we took this detour, and and uh, we went through this town, and my wife said, do you know where you're going? Absolutely, I know where I'm going. I may not be 100% sure how to get there, but I know where I'm going. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, we end up in this little, in this little podunk town. It's probably 10 o'clock at night. And, uh, and I'm, I'm, uh, she said, there's a detour sign that said go that way. I said, no, I, I know a shortcut. <laughs> and, uh, <clears throat> and so I went a different way. And about 30 minutes later, we ended up at that same spot. I kid you not, we're at that same intersection, and I was just praying and hoping that my wife wouldn't have noticed. <laughs> Before, when I realized I was approaching that same intersection, I said, don't you want to go to sleep? Just lay your head back, go to sleep. It's okay. <laughs> and and uh, we came back to that same intersection 30 minutes later, and she said, this looks really familiar. <laughs> oh, no, it doesn't. Oh, no, it doesn't. Where? She said, you're lost, aren't you? No, no, I'm not lost. I, I promise you, I'm not lost. I was lost as a goose. <laughs> I, I had no idea where I was. 
But I, I think about that story, and, and I'm sure no other men have stories like that. And if you did, you wouldn't admit to it right here. <clears throat> but, uh, but the honest, simple truth is God's people, no doubt, had been around all that Sinai Peninsula so many times. And, and surely by now, many of them have said, hey, this looks familiar. <laughs> We've been here before. I'm simply saying, if they were going to get to where God wanted them to be, they had to take a new direction. They had to do something different that they had not done before. Proverbs chapter 14, verse number 12, the Bible tells us there's a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Sometimes we think we got it figured out, don't we? Hey, I know what's best for me. No, you don't. How many young people have I talked to through the years who said, oh, I, I, hey, I got this under control. I know what I'm supposed to do. I know where I'm supposed to go. No one's going to tell me what to do. Nobody's going to tell me who to run with. What a tragedy. What a tragedy. The Bible says there's a way that seemeth right unto a man. By the way, I knew everything when I was 18 too. <laughs> and ever since then, I've been finding out every, every year that passes how little I know. <laughs> Hey, I'm simply saying, hey, young people, listen to somebody who's been down the road a little ahead of you. Listen to folks who are trying to help you, people who love you. I'm talking about listening to your mom and dad who, who want what's best for you, who love you, they have your best interest at heart. You say, oh, but they're not up with the times. They're a little bit old-fashioned. Hey, maybe, maybe their clothing trend isn't what you think it ought to be. And by the way, that's probably a good thing too. But I promise you this, they know things you don't know. They know things you don't know. The Bible talks over in, in Hebrews, it, said, it, it says, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. Hey, before you go following just anybody, why don't you consider where the end of their path is going to take them? Look down the road a little further, aim high in steering and understand, hey, that road may not lead to a good ending. In 2016, why don't we decide that we're going to stop trying to do things our way and do things his way? You know, God's got a pretty good vantage point or, or, or perspective from where he sits. God sits in eternity, not time. And he looks at the path that you're on or the path that you're considering, and he sees where it's going to lead. He sees where it's going to take you. Why don't we trust him? Why don't we, why don't we give our future to the Lord? Why don't, we, why don't we submit ourselves? Why don't we submit 2016 to, to his direction and to his cause and, hey, live it by his word. Hey, here's our compass right here. Here's our road map right here. Right here. Here's, our, here's our spiritual GPS. And if we'll just follow it, if we'll just, if we'll just uh, uh, adapt, hey, don't, don't try to get God in on what you want to do. Why don't you go to God and say, God, whatever it is you want me to do, I'm, uh, I'm all in. What we do is we take our life to God and we want God to fit his agenda to fit ours. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. No, God wants me to come to him and say, God, here's my life. You take it. You lead me. You guide me. And God says, hey, look, I've given you a book. I've given you principles. I've given you commandments. All you've got to do is follow the directions. You know, when you follow the directions, God will never lead you astray. By the way, that GPS will lead you astray sometimes. I just thought I'd throw that in. Uh, but uh, but uh, listen to me. Many times we don't reach our potential because we set out in the wrong direction. We set out in the wrong direction. I think about Abraham and Lot. Abraham and Lot. Lot was with his uncle Abraham. And by the way, while Lot was with Abraham, everything was good. You know why? Because Abraham knew God. Lot got close to somebody who was close to God, and that's really good advice. Get close to somebody who's close to God. That's what Lot did. But one day Lot decided, you know what, I'm going to take a different direction. 
I'm going to do my own thing. And uh, his, his herdman and Abraham's herdman, they had a little bit of a falling out. And uh, what Lot should have done, uh, what, what he should have done was gone to his herdman and said, look, whatever it takes, you get right with Abraham's herdman. Whatever it takes, you guys get along. I don't care what it takes. I don't care what concessions you're going to make. But you get along with him because I'm not leaving Uncle Abraham. There's something about Uncle Abraham that's good for me. But Lot didn't do that. Instead, the Bible said that Lot looked over and he saw the well-watered plains of Jordan. He saw Sodom and Gomorrah. He saw something out there that looked really good from a distance. He saw something glittering in the world, just like some of our young people. They see something out in the world, man, it looks, it looks good. Oh, man, it looks like a life where there's, there's, a, there, there, there's very little interference from authority, a life where I can do my own thing, a life where I can hang out with, with who I want to hang out with, a life where I can come, in and go, uh, come and go as I please and not have a curfew to deal with or rule to deal with or regulations to deal with. Hey, let me tell you something, young person. There's safety in that. There's safety in that. There's freedom in that. There's liberty in that. You don't know how good you have it. Truth is. But Lot saw something over there towards Sodom and he said, that's where I'm going. He set out in the wrong direction. He set out in the wrong direction and it cost him. It cost him his family. It cost him everything. Hey, I'm simply saying it's time to move on uh, in our direction or, or, or from our direction. Number three, I want you to see this. It's time to move on from our decision. Don't miss the wording there. It's time to move on from our decision. You see, there had to be a decision on behalf of these people to say, we're going to go in the right direction. We're going to leave where we are, and we're going to go into Canaan land. We're going to go to the promised land. God has given us the green light, and we're going to go in and possess the land that he has promised us. There had to be a decision. They had to get tired of wandering in the wilderness. And by the way, if you're going to go forward for God, you've got to get tired of being where you are. If you're going to experience that victorious Christian life, you're going to have to get tired of wilderness living. You're going to have to get tired of self-sufficient living. You're going to have to get tired of, I want to be my own boss, philosophy. They had to buy into what Moses was saying. They had to say, okay, it's time to go. Not only did they have to make a decision, but guess what? They had to stop talking about it and start moving. They had to stop paying lip service to making a decision to go forward and take the first step of going forward. Hey, I'm simply saying it's time to move on from our decision. It's time to put some feet on those prayers, Lake Crest Baptist Church. It's time to put some motion to, that, to those good intentions. Hey, good intentions never helped anybody. Someone once said that the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Good intentions never, never fed a hungry soul. Good intentions never won a soul. Good intentions never, uh, never got on their knees and prayed. I'm simply saying, let's not just have good intentions and make good decisions, but let's have some good actions to follow up on those good decisions. The rhetoric of New Year's resolutions is over. It's January the 10th. That exercise machine is already collecting dust. <laughs> All those wonderful ideas, I'm just being facetious there, uh, all those wonderful ideas of, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this in 2016. Well, guess what? It's 2016. Pastor, I'm going to serve the Lord with all my heart and all my soul and all my might in 2016. Well, here we are. <laughs> here we are. I'm simply saying it's time to stop talking about what we're going to do and do it. It's time to get it done. 
Uh, it's time to do what you said you were going to do. It's time to be faithful. It's time, fellas, to love your wife as Christ loved the church. It's time to give. It's time to witness. It's time to get off the stool of do nothing and get busy. Hey, it's time to pray. It's time to go on for God. It's time to have that relationship with their Bible like we talked about what we wanted to do in 2015. I'm simply saying the time of rhetoric is over. The time of talking about it is over. It's time to do something. Time to do something. I heard a guy say one time <clears throat> to, to my pastor as I was growing up, Dr. Lonnie Graves, and, and uh, he was, uh, Brother Graves, he was a real, real, real simple kind of guy, and a and, uh, guy said to, to Brother Graves, he said, uh, he said, Preacher, I'm aiming to do this, and I'm aiming to do that. We're, we're in a watch night service. We're getting ready to pray in the new year. Guy, we had testimony time. A guy stood up and said, Preacher, I'm aiming to do this, and I'm aiming, aiming to do this, and I'm aiming to do this. And finally, Brother Lonnie stopped and he said, Well, why don't you stop aiming and shoot? <laughs> Why don't you stop aiming and shoot? Hey, pull the trigger. <laughs> hey, it's one thing to aim, but you can aim all day, but until you pull that trigger and do something, it's just words. It's just vanity. Number four, the last thing. It's time to move on into danger. You say, what are you talking about? It's time to move on into danger. I didn't say it's time to move on away from danger. It's time to move on into danger. Follow me very carefully. Going forward for God's people meant going into the promised land. Okay, we've established that. But there's only one thing about the promised land that we need to talk about for just a moment. There were giants there. <laughs> giants lived in Canaan land. The sons of Anak were there. The sons of Anak <coughs> were, uh, were big boys, just suffice it to say. In fact, if you do a little Bible study and you fast forward into time and you read 1 Samuel 17 where Daniel, or Daniel, where David was having his, uh, his confrontation with Goliath, you find that if you do a little study, you'll find that Goliath was a descendant of some of these uh, sons of Anak. And we understand that Goliath was nine and a half feet tall. That's a big old boy. I mean, he ate his Wheaties and then some when he was growing up. He's a big old dude. And the truth of the matter is there were, it was a dangerous place. Now, God had promised them the victory. God had promised them success. But nevertheless, they had to go forward. They had to move on into a dangerous place. Now, what does that tell me? It tells me that it was requiring a faith. If we're going to do what God wants us to do in 2016, not just individually, but corporately as a church body, it's going to require some faith. We're going to have to take that next step forward, and we're going to have to understand there will be giants to conquer. There will be cities that need to be taken. Hey, the, the Canaan land was a beautiful place, a wonderful place. It was called the promised land. God said, I'm going to give it to the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But it was not a place that was free of battles. 2016 will not be a year that is free of battles. And if you're going to go forward, you're going to have to have some faith. You're going to have to trust God. You're going, to have to, you're going to have to sell it right here and right now. God knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. God is, is too wise to be mistaken. He's too good to be unkind. And I'm going to trust him with my 2016. I'm going to, to believe in him. I'm going to take him at his word. I'm going to read that book not just for, uh, for, for uh, uh, intellectual value, but I'm going to read that book to strengthen my faith in my God. And I'll promise you, you'll not regret it. You'll not regret it. To go forward requires faith. To go forward requires courage. To go forward requires obedience. There were probably a few people among them that said, you know, we kind of like it over here in the wilderness. 
No doubt there were some people when the children of Israel decided to move forward and to go on, there was no doubt were a few people who said, you know what, I know this wilderness is kind of a, kind of a pain, but I kind of like it. <laughs> you know what, before you can go forward, you've got to be tired of being where you are. And that requires faith. That requires faith. You know, complacency is a horrible trap that God's people fall into. Complacency. Ah, it's good enough over here. Ah, you know, this wilderness stuff. Oh, you know, after all, God's pretty good to us. I mean, he gives us manna every morning. He gives us, and oh, that was wonderful. But God said, even at that, I've got something better for you. Hey, let me tell you something. 2015 was a wonderful year, and it was a wonderful year for many of us individually. But God's got more for us in 2016. We got to move on. Hey, we got to go forward. Hey, church, we've got to say uh, God has some wonderful things in store for us. There are people to be reached and, and, uh, and things that, that God wants to give us. Let's not just be complacent and say, ah, I'll just stay right here. No, no, we, we want to go forward. We want to go forward. We've tempt, we're tempted just to settle for a few blessings when we could live the victorious Christian life in Canaan. We're tempted to just settle for what God has for us over here when God wants us to have so much more in the future if we'll just trust him, if we'll just keep going forward. We've got to be willing to face the giants. We've got to be willing to, uh, <coughs> to fight the battles. We've got to be willing <coughs> to, to go and, and, and give the effort, give the effort, because God's blessings are waiting for us on the other side. There are here, folks here this morning, God has a wonderful 2016 in mind for you. And it includes salvation. It includes you coming to know Jesus Christ as your Savior. Let me, say, let, let me just say this. You can have a wonderful 2016, a wonderful 2017, a wonderful 2018 in, in many different ways. But if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, it all ends with the grave. It all ends with the grave. And, and beyond that, it ends with eternal judgment separated from God in a place called hell. I can't think of a better way to start 2016 in these early days than to have the assurance of salvation. There are folks in this room this morning, if you were to die today, you don't know, you don't have assurance of heaven. You have no idea what your eternity holds for you, but you can, you can know. I cannot think of a better way, I can't think of a better way to go forward in life than in starting it today knowing for sure that heaven is my home. Just yesterday, I had the privilege to talk to a, uh, a gentleman just, just a few blocks from here, and uh, he didn't have the assurance of salvation, but you know what? <clears throat> we showed him from the Bible, hey, you can know. You can know. The greatest thing in all the world is to know for sure that heaven is your home. Do you know that for sure? I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. <clears throat>